Hey everybody, this is episode 123 of the Running Rogue Podcast. This is Chris coming at you from Austin, Texas on a beautiful spring morning in this city. Good to be coming back at you today and I'm excited, really excited about sharing this interview that I have today with special guest Allie Kiefer who was actually in the studio here in Austin with me as she's been training recently here in Austin. Currently, as she's mentioned recently on Instagram, she's coming back from injury. So we actually met at physical therapy and she agreed to come in. But this interview is really, really fun and fascinating and at times raw and emotional as we do talk about some some pretty serious topics. But really appreciate Allie's willingness to be real and to open up. I'll give you a little bit more on the interview before we jump in here in a second, but I did have one announcement for those who might be listening from Houston. I'll be in Houston on Thursday night, 6.30 p.m. at the Run-On in River Oaks doing a goal-setting workshop in advance of us kicking off Rogue Training in Houston coming up in May. So please, if you're in Houston... Come say hi and check it out. We'll, do, we'll be doing that goal-setting workshop again, 6.30 at the Run-On in River Oaks. And that's on Thursday, May 2nd. I've done this workshop before, and it's really powerful, especially if you come ready to open up and engage. I do it in two parts. The first half of the workshop, I will talk about the top 10 things that get in the way of runners hitting their goals, including some physical elements as well as mental elements. And then the second part of the workshop, we do a goal setting exercise with in partners where you're talking about your goals with somebody else, talking about why you want those goals, and then working with them to figure out some tactical steps to or towards towards achieving those goals. So there you go. Again, Thursday, May 2nd, 6.30, run on River Oaks. Come see me if you'd like. If you make the time, I promise you'll get something out of it. Okay, with that, jump back to a quick preamble on my interview with Ali. As I mentioned, it's a really powerful discussion with her. I really appreciate her being real and raw and being willing to share some emotion about some some tough topics. We cover a broad range of things from her reaction to watching the Boston Marathon to how she's working to overcome injury right now to what she attributes her rise in the sport to when she finished fifth at New York a couple of years back and we also get to some tough topics for her to discuss which is inclusive of her leaving her coach recently coach Brad Hudson and she recently announced that on Instagram we also talk about some things she shared on Instagram before about her sister who she lost in a car accident about 10 years ago and so we get to a lot of different things and I just really appreciate the fact that she was so willing to open up and just be real and raw this is the reason these types of conversations is the reason why I do this and why I'm also so inspired by this sport. I believe that all of us, whether we're running at the elite levels of the sport like Ali, or whether we're just trying to get a marathon finished or run a personal best, we're all experiencing the same things. We can all learn from each other and that goes both ways. Somebody like Ali part of the reason why I want to talk to her is so that she can share her story so that you can be connected to her in ways that make her make you feel like 
she's one of us too. She's just another runner. And that's why these things are so powerful. But at the same time, I think you can also learn from her experiences and perhaps take little nuggets that you can apply in your own life and in your own running. That's what it's all about. So I really appreciate Allie taking the time and also be just being so willing to open up. And with that as an intro, let's talk to Allie Kiefer. Welcome, Allie Kiefer, to the Running Rogue podcast and studio here in Austin. How are you doing today, Allie? I'm good. Thanks for having me. You are the latest elite runner to to climb up into this ply, plywood box. Yes, climb. <laughs> <laughs> but you made it. You made but it up. I didn't up. bring Winston, so everything's good today. <laughs> the, dog, yeah. the dog was not a part of that journey, so no. thank goodness. He doesn't like ladders. I, I probably do need to get a waiver for people to sign <laughs> yeah. just in case something happens. I don't want to be responsible for a career injury. That would be terrible. So thanks for joining me. I really appreciate the time. We actually met recently at physical therapy. And so we got to bond over PT and, and mobility work at, at one of my favorite PTs in town, Mondo Sports Therapy. We'll talk about injury later okay. because we've, I know, both had our journeys with that. I want to start by talking about the Boston Marathon. Okay. We obviously got to watch that a week ago now as we're recording. What were your impressions? Did you watch and what were your impressions of the race? Yeah, I watched. Um, well, I was really interested in how Desi was going to do because I finished right behind her in New York City and I'm hurt, but she was kind of like, you know, my indicator of how maybe I could have done that race. Mm. And she surged a lot. And I thought that that was a lot like she ran in New York. And it drove me nuts when she did it at the time because I was surging with her. So like the first like 10K, 15K of the race, I think I was on camera a lot, I'm sure, of New York City because yeah. we were like going back and forth with the pace in the front. But um, it was an interesting race. It was kind of strange. They let the, a girl who ended up winning go so early, I thought. Yeah, she got I, a three-minute lead. I didn't think that she was running like a crazy pace for them, but maybe it was just humid, so people were, or maybe they're more cautious because of last year. I don't, I don't know. But um, so my friend Betsy was in the lead pack too. I thought Jordan did amazing. Betsy uh, Sena. Yeah. Yes. So, talk about that surging because Des, I mean, traditionally isn't known for that. I mean, she has been that runner who dials into a pace and sort of runs it no matter what so i think that was with her old coaches though yeah i think she's trying new strategies now with the new coaches that's interesting um so how did that play out in new york what did that feel like so for me it felt terrible and then <laughs> when they broke because we were surging but we actually overall like weren't going very fast and it was really the first time that i'd ever gone through the water stations with everyone and it doesn't seem like a big deal, but there's a lot of like chaos there. And so in New York, I actually at the first water station, um, you know, you you're like kind of there's two, maybe 200 meters of water station because there's these tables and there's like 10 of them and they're separated a little bit by a gap. And so people are going in and out to get their water. And you know where your bottle is, but you don't necessarily know where anyone else's bottle is. And you're all there are like 15 of us in a group, if not more. And so you have people just going chaos, like back and forth. Yeah, it's it's so people end up like kind of sprinting into the water station to be able to grab their water. And as they're taking it, they slow down. And so then they throw it and they speed back up. So um, and people are going like in between each other and all outside. But I saw another runner 
take someone else's water bottle and then look at it like, oh, no, that's not mine. And then make the decision. I don't want to take something that I have probably haven't tried in practice. I don't know what right. it is. So then she threw it, which drove <laughs> me crazy because it was like, what if she takes my bottle next right. time? Right. Um, I probably should have just went to the back and let them all fight over the bottles and like stayed out of it. But I did not have that immediate reaction. And I was like, I will go in front of you for every water station. Um, ended up, she ended up dropping out. But yeah, because I mean, you, you miss your fuel early on too. And that's, that's a problem. Like, yeah. So, so yeah. Des was instigating in a sense before Katani took it. Well, with, so with the two Ethiopian athletes. Yeah. I think that she's just trying out different strategies and seeing if she can maybe break people with surges or maybe because she's definitely not just cutting like finding a piece and sitting with that for a long time um i don't know i i definitely think that it is like a thoughtful process that she's going through i don't know if she thinks it's good or bad yet but i also feel like people have to try different things to kind of get the most out of themselves so she has for a long time just got into one pace. She's very good at running even splits. But maybe she thought she will do better if she tries to break up the group by surging. And she talked about post-Boston, where she got fifth, that there was a lot of quote-unquote racing in that chase back. And she mentioned in an article that she had to tell Jordan to back off a little bit and maybe not lead the chase back so that she didn't do too much work to go after Jajefa. So it's kind of interesting. We didn't get to see a lot of that chase back on the feed as I was watching NBC Sports. But it is interesting to hear that she started experimenting with new things because that is certainly a trademark of the East African runners to surge, to move all over the place, to vary the pace a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I've trained in Kenya and Mm -hmm. um, they fart like a lot. So I think that they're a lot more used to that when Americans tend to just run one steady tempo like we're like oh we're gonna run marathon pace today and they're constantly surging um so i just think that they're trained a little better for that and maybe i but i thought that the kenyans and didn't really do that in the race interesting and jordan ran a very tactically smart race where she just sat and you kind of forgot that she existed until she got third right the way to run the marathon pretty awesome (laughs) yeah pretty awesome for her especially coming off of injury yeah when you think about that women's field, obviously Jordan, Dez, Sarah, who ended up 15th, Lindsay Flanagan, who I believe was ninth. Yeah. And then in New York, where we had four Americans in the top seven, yeah. you were seventh, Dez right in front of you, Molly and Shalane third and fourth. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty stacked field of Americans that will be gearing up for Atlanta next year. How do you handicap that? I just think that I'm going to try to be in like put myself in the best shape to make the team and that it doesn't make or break me if I make the team or not. Like I, I obviously want to, but I also, I feel like I have another cycle in me and I, I, I don't have to, what happens if I don't make it. I'm still sponsored. <laughs> I still have right. a career. I still have friends that like me. I still have family that love me, you know, like life moves on and I want to make that team. But I think sometimes we put so much stress and pressure on like becoming an Olympian that it, then you get so worked up and you, it's it, like sabotaging yourself. So um, Interesting. I feel like racing nirvana is that happy place where you simultaneously want something so badly that you're going to give everything you can on that day to go for it. But at the same time, know that it's okay if you don't get it. 
because those two things are hard to coexist in your head. Because sometimes if you think, oh, well, it's going to be okay. I'll still, my family will still love me. Then it gives you that out, that excuse to maybe let off or to back off. But having both of those things simultaneously exist is hard. Well, I think that for me, it's probably no different than how I went into New York last year. Of like, I really wanted to podium at New York. And I really want to podium at the Olympic trials. And I'll probably be, I was really disappointed that I didn't make the podium in New York. And if I don't make the Olympics, I'll be really disappointed and be depressed for a little while. And I'll get over it. Like, it's hard. It's just, it's hard because it's not really different than the other races. Like, it, it's my career. It's my job. It's my passion all in one now. And um, it doesn't go away for other races. Like, I feel like podium at New York City would be kind of just as cool as making the Olympics at the moment because I haven't done either one of those things. It's like everything's an opportunity. But back in 2017 when you got fifth and were a quote-unquote breakout star that race, there was no pressure. So you could show up without expectation and get fifth and everybody's like, wow, who the hell is Ali Kiefer? But now you have a little bit of pressure, right, having those results. Well, I think in New York City there was a little bit of pressure. There's a lot of like good press beforehand um which was exciting but definitely added to the pressure scale but i don't think anyone thinks that i'm a shoe in to make the olympics so there's like really not that much pressure there (laughs) and i think i'm pretty consistent like i don't feel like i have had like a really off day very i can't remember the last time i haven't i've been like oh i ran really bad that day so all you can do is to show up and do the best for the, the situation you're in that day. I'd like to run a smart race. I think there's, I feel more pressure on myself to not, um, not run someone else's race. And I think one of the reasons why 2017 New York City Marathon went so well is because I ran my own race. Mm-hmm. I, and so I got so caught up in being top three in New York this year that it didn't run my race. So what do you think running your race looks like in Atlanta next year? Um, I would like to go with... Be a, like a very uh, like knowing what I'm capable of, and mm-hmm. so running a course like Atlanta and being so just like dialed in on the pace that I know I can hold because I've had these huge negative splits in New York, so I've done one sixteen thirty each time for the first half, and then I came back in like one eleven thirty something this past year yep. and one thirteen the year before, so like. I need to get a better sense of like what I'm capable of for a straight race. Right. Um, and then not worry about if there's a certain surge at some point. Just, like, don't go with it. Just run my own race. Stay within the parameters you yeah. know you can handle. Yeah. I was talking to Jared Ward at the press conference in Boston, and he talked about how everybody's saying that Atlanta will be a strength runner's race because of the hills, because of the challenge. Yeah. He said he disagreed with that somewhat, that he thought speed was going to be more important than people were factoring in because of the gear changing that will happen in that race with the varying elevation changes as well as the turns. He thinks it's going to be a very up and down pace throughout and that it's going to require a lot of range from a speed perspective in order to handle those fluctuations. What do you think about that? I feel like it's going to be like someone who's good at Boston is going to be good at it. There's so much up and down, it's going to beat up your quads, I think. So you got to be ready for that. Yeah. Yeah. How do you get ready for that? 
You do a lot of up and down. <laughs> you practice on a course. It's well, you're in a good place for it. Training yeah. here in Austin. We That's have plenty, why I moved of, plenty here. of place for it. The let's weather's talk, Let's similar. talk about that for a second. You moved to Austin, and I'm going to put moved in air quotes because I don't know what that means in terms of permanence, but, but maybe you can tell me. When did you get here? How long do you anticipate staying? Why Austin? So my best friend moved from Denver to Austin, and she was moving alone. And she was, wanted to stay in Denver. And she asked me if I would go live in Denver with her. And I was like, I don't really want to go back to Colorado. Denver is just a weird altitude because it's not high enough where you really get a lot of the benefit. But it's not low, so you can't run marathon pace very easily right. or for an extended period of time. So I thought, um, like, Brad was coaching me, and we thought that we would do sea level. So I said, hey she got a job opportunity in Austin and her family's from Austin. And I was like, if you go to Austin, I'll go with you for a couple of months. And if that totally doesn't work before London marathon, then I have to go f- try somewhere else. Cause I don't know what running in Austin's like. I'd been here a couple of times, but I'd not really to run. Like I ran around the lake once. Yeah. Um, and I thought maybe it'd be too hot. I just didn't really know. So, um, I also, I've been bouncing around a lot around the U.S. and the Kenya trip. And I really feel like I don't have like a home to go home to. Not that I want to go live with my mom, but it's I think a lot of people move back to where they're from or live near family. Like they have a job that ties them down and then they make friends. And I've just been hopping all over that. I haven't really got that like feeling of like this is my home and these are my people and like I'm comfortable here. Um, so, so I just thought I could come and maybe that would be Austin because my best friend's family, I'm very close to her and her dad's side of the family's here. So, uh, I did that and two months ago, two ish months ago, I moved here and I, so I didn't announce anything cause I didn't really think I was going to stay. Yeah. Um, but I love it. And now I want to stay. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out how to make that happen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So staying in Austin for a little bit. Have you heard about our summers? <laughs> so, yeah. So I know that I'm going to need to go somewhere for the summer. Okay. Um, and I did the a Kenya trip last winter. Uh, it's actually their like second monsoon season in July and August, <laughs> okay. which was when I feel like I'd have to leave here. But I thought I might go back there. Um, Brad Hudson isn't coaching me anymore, so I need to find a new coach. Yeah, we yeah. just you just told me that before we came on. What happened there? Because he was here, I know, at least yeah. as of about a month ago. I saw some Instagram posts yeah. with him here. Sasha Golish, who was on this podcast, was here. Yeah. He was coaching her here. What happened? Um, I think that I am... Um, hard, I mean... I would guess maybe it's hard to coach. That's what Brad was saying. (laughs) (laughs) You're hard to coach. I think I'm really opinionated and I'm a questioner. So if someone's like, hey, don't run. I'm like, why? Right. You know, just like explain it to me. And then Brad would be like, oh, well, do you want to run? And of course I want to (laughs) run. But I'm sure he was right that I shouldn't run. I think we got to this point where... I was really annoying and like kept asking questions and he was like, uh, I don't know what to do with you anymore. And so then he would let me do whatever I wanted to do, which was probably wrong. And he should have like said no to me. Yeah. And then, um, I felt like I was like giving him, like he was like allowing me to do this. 
And so I kept, I just keep getting injured and I want to like, something needs to change. Right. And so, um, yeah. So we just decided to go our separate ways. Mutually departed each other. Yeah. I mean, he's a really good guy and I really like Brad and we are, we haven't talked. It was only, it happened like a week ago. Okay. So, um, we haven't talked, but like, I don't. I th- think it was like a good ending. Like I don't. We're not mad at each other. It yep. just wasn't working. And you've been working with him in one way or another since 2011. Yeah, he started coaching me in, in yeah end of 2011. So that's quite a long time to be with one coach. I mean, you know, obviously yeah. you had a break in there yeah. at one point. So I had so. a break in there, and then I hired I a uh, Steve Magnus coached me for a little while. Okay. Um, another coach that Sarah Cummings was using. I forget the guy's name. But none of them really worked. Brad was definitely the best coach for me. Interesting. Um, so So now you're on the hunt for a new coach. So I was thinking I'd ask Renato Canova. But <laughs> go to Kenya and ask. <laughs> I was going to send him an email first because <laughs> hey, I have his email. But You could always post on the Let's Run boards. I know he's on there. Say, hey, I'm in need of a coach. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Um, what do you want in a coach? I want someone I really trust. and. Um, someone that can hold me back if like so I had been saying like I don't feel good you know a lot of January I just felt bad um and then I came here in February and I had dropped out of a race like I just didn't start because I was feeling really bad and then um I ran like my first week here I ran like 123 miles and then after that I still, I mean, I'm still feeling bad. And so I went to go see John Ball in Arizona and all of a sudden like my foot started hurting and then came back here. I finally got to the PT where we met and they were like, you need to get an x-ray and that didn't show anything. I got an MRI and I found out I had a three stress reactions in my foot. And then recently, like right before Brad and I went our different ways, he was like, oh, I think your the back pain you're feeling before that is what caused the stress reactions in your foot. and I was like, oh, well, like, wh- how did you have me keep running then? <laughs> right. Um, so someone that, uh, and it's, it's hard, I think, for coaches because they work with so many different people that someone complains all the time about something hurts. I mean, you run 123 miles and something's bound to hurt, right? Right. So I think it was hard for him to figure out, I'm not really a complainer. Um, like take, maybe he didn't take, wasn't like taking my feelings seriously enough. Right. Or because... I need someone that's like pretty direct about like you feel bad like we need to take a bunch of time off because in January I wanted to do the 10k and I get caught up a bit in trying to hit certain standards or like we decided we were going to do this race and I have to make it to the line when that 10k really in the grand scheme didn't mean anything and I probably should have made it to London instead um but we pushed through and then I didn't make it to London and now this weekend's London and I'm like still not really running Right. So it's just, I need someone that can be like, Allie, the 10K is not worth it. Like you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> right. And so, but finding that trust, trusting relationship with somebody you don't know is hard. Mm-hmm. And to yeah. think that Renato Canova could do it from across the pond while you're here in Austin seems like a big ask. I agree. It does. So I brought this up to Katie's sister, Lenny Waite, because I met her yep. this weekend. Yes. And she's a sports psychologist, and she's also gone to the Olympics, right? So she is like 
expertise in a yes. lot of different areas. She's a PhD in this topic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and she was like, no, I just think you got to hire him. Like if that's the person that, that you think you trust, because I don't, I, there aren't really aren't that many options. I, Brad's training worked for me. So I don't want to go to a different training kind of training plan, but Brad followed Renato. And so if he would coach me. I would think the training would be great. Right. Similar. Um, wouldn't like, it would just be from the source instead of right. from Brad. And then either we have to communicate or I have to f- be better at it. Or I don't, I don't actually know how it would work. Like yeah, we're Katie at uh, my PT has to be like, <laughs> no, like you cannot run. Find another person to hold you accountable to those limits, perhaps. I'm not sure because I'm, I don't know. But there's a lot. But there's option. a lot of stake here, Allie. There is a lot. Of I stake. mean, in less than twelve months, we're going to be lining up competing for an Olympic team. Yeah. And right now, you're running a little bit. Just Alter G. Where are you at now? Um. Yeah. Not really. So I ran yesterday in the Alter G, and then I have a. So I came back too quickly, probably, from the foot injuries, and then the other calf strained. I have a calf strain. Okay. So, um, so you should see Dr. Moose. Yeah. Sounds he's he's a wizard. Yeah. I'll, okay. I'll make sure you get connected okay, to cool. him. Um, yeah. It takes a village, right? So I think the question that Lenny put it was like, if you, what is your goal? Right. And it's trying to make the Olympics. So do you think you need a coach for that? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So then I'm going to hire a coach. Right. But we want to go back like three weeks and say, should you have broken up with Brad or not. Like if I didn't think Brad was keeping me healthy, then what would be the purpose of continuing with a coach that didn't seem to be able to keep me healthy? Right. I mean, it's like it was a lose lose. Right. So start yeah. over and right. try to care goucher it and get fourth at the Olympic trials after going to a new coach. I don't know. I mean, I think about I so I don't know what are the other options. I don't know. Obviously it's just a bad situation to be in. Well, I mean, I think you could look at it that way. You could also look at it as an opportunity, right? I don't think you were painting it as an opportunity. No, I w- <laughs> I, well, maybe not. I, I mean, I'm just saying, I guess my point was not to paint it in a bad light, but just more to say this is an important decision. Yeah, it is. And not one to take lightly. And I would, I would just, I mean, I don't really know you that well. I'm just a fan and somebody that I want somebody who wants to see you do well next year. And so I guess I would just think broadly about your options. Yeah. About like getting a coach here. Well, I mean, I don't know that it has to be here in Austin, but just think broadly about your options. Like I think about, I mean, this is a random idea, right? But you, I know are a fan and think of, I would assume as a mentor because of your connection through Wazell, like Kara Goucher. Yeah, so I did reach out to Kara just to like, because she did so well changing coaches before right. the last Olympic trials. What did she say? Um, she was going to London. So she's like, I'll call you when I get back from London. Well, she's back. Yeah, I'm sure she'll call soon. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm going to see Kara in a couple of weeks. Oh, nice. Well, okay, you can ask her for so me. So I can ask her for <laughs> you. Okay. But anyway, but I mean, or I think about, you know, Dr. Lesko, like, what does she say? Um. So I actually talked to Bob about it. Okay. I what mean, does Bob she say? knows, but. Yeah, Bob brought up Kara, like asking Kara about it. Yeah. And then um, 
I maybe finding someone around here. Uh, I've coached myself, so I don't think he's too worried about me being able to get back into the shape. Yep. Um, I don't know. I'm trying not to stress about the whole coach thing yet. Right. I'm just want to get, get stressing about getting healthy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, th- I mean, I think that's a good point because obviously that's first priority. You have some time. I guess I'm just saying don't don't run in, don't rush into it and consider the broad options. And I do think talking to Kara at one point at some point would be healthy or even Lauren Fleshman. I don't know if she could be helpful here too. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about your injuries. Okay. You suffered a similar injury in a way to the one you suffered last year that took you out of London. Last year you had a stress fracture, I believe, in your metatarsal. This year you've got stress reactions. I think three of them, according to your Wazelle blog. Yeah. How did that happen? Well. I mean, we just talked about pushing a little (laughs) too hard through through pain. I don't know if anyone knows exactly what happened, but the physical therapists at Mondo all agree that my right ankle is very locked up just all the time and I'll always have to get it manipulated. Yep. So I'm working on strengthening areas so that I don't need to see them every single week. So I can make a trip to Kenya and for five weeks and I have to worry about getting my foot manipulated. But yeah, like it will be an ongoing thing. So I got stress fractures in college too. All in that like right foot. Same side. Yeah, same what, side. Your tibial stress fracture was that on the right side? Uh, that was on the left. Okay. That was the only like not right foot fracture that I've had. or any bone injury interesting yeah because i have left ankle issues and i'm always going to mondo to get it mobilized and i've had a stress fracture in my heel on the left side i've had a tibial stress fracture on my left side because of that and it is it's an ongoing thing i will say though that i've through the work that they've done with me Mm -hmm. i've gotten to a point now where i need those mobilizations fewer and further in between so it, it was Maybe every week I would have to get it done in order to make sure that I was staying healthy. And now I could go every four to six weeks or so. And I kind of know when it's out of whack so I can then just go right away and get it yanked on. Yeah. See, I don't, I'm not like that self-aware about it yet. Yeah. It just takes time. Yeah. But first step is learning. Yeah. I know there's (laughs) just so many, I have so many weaknesses actually. There's a lot I'm working on in there. So obviously that was, that had to be a huge disappointment to have to drop out of London again. For the second time, yeah. <laughs> How does it feel to be hurt right now? Well, so the beginning, when I first found out, I only had a week and a half left of being in a boot and not being able to run. And uh, so it wasn't like that bad, although it's frustrating to not be at the starting line of London again. Because I just keep missing out on these opportunities to get well, a flat, fast course and like another payday. and see what I can actually run because New York is such like a, both times I've done it have just been such a weird race where it's a lot more tactical than it is like running your pace so I've been really excited to get to London and see like could I run 224 um and I feel like I'm I mean I had I had a bunch of issues going into New York and so like to get health I got healthy then in December and and then January is finally running again. And I was like moving into this training block. You know, I was fit already. So rather than before New York, I had to start all over again. Anyway, it's been really frustrating. And now not being able to run now is it's been like six weeks or something. And now I'm getting really frustrated of just not being able to get outside and then get a run in because it's like therapeutic and right. healthy just to be outside and move. 
and I'm like, oh, 6,000 steps. Like, maybe I should walk the dogs again. You know, like, it's just really, it's gross. I feel gross about, yeah. like, not exercising. How do you stay sane? Because we've all been there yeah. when you can't do it and you know you shouldn't do it and it's the best not to do it, but you want to do it. And then you start to think, am I ever going to get back to where I was? See, I, haven't, I don't have that last thought yet, but okay. I'm sure I drive everyone at Mondo absolutely insane <laughs> because I'm like, hey, so Katie said like not to run, but you know, it's been feeling really good. And like, <laughs> right. what do you think? And they're like, no, you should definitely trust it. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> or listen to your PT. Now I'm on the opposite side where I, so I ran, I ran like five miles on Thursday and then five at point six on Friday. And I, it was like point six too much. Yeah. And so Saturday and Sunday, I kept feeling my calf, so I just didn't run. And then Monday, yesterday, I ran at Mondo on the Alter G, and it felt fine. But then I woke up, and it felt tight again. Like, the, it feels like a Charlie horse in my mm. calf. Um, not really painful, but, like, it's just tight. And it's going to, like, spasm at any moment. Yeah. And so then Katie said I could run. And I was like asking every other PT in there today, like, do you really think I should run? Because it kind of got worse last night, but right. I think you have to be active to heal it. And so we're trying to balance, be active and also heal. And I just want to keep push, pushing the throttle. Right. So like, right. I don't, I obviously cannot hold myself back. So I'm like, I don't know if I should run because I'm an insane person. Like <laughs> I don't just like run seven minute piece in there and like right. five fifty. Like, yes. <laughs> well, we've said I've said before on this podcast, motion is lotion. <laughs> so movement equals blood yeah. flow equals healing. That is part of the process, but you do have to be so careful about it. Yeah. Are you into cross training at all? I I've heard rumors of some aqua jogging happening with yeah. you around town. Yeah. So I've made some friends I get to go aqua jogging with. <laughs> I'm way better when I have someone to meet, but I have been going and slash I like make my roommate go with me and she, I don't understand why she's so cold in there. Like, I know <laughs> Barton Springs is cold, but I'm like, it's a workout. Not like, once you're aqua jogging. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. She's like hyperthermia every time you go in there, but I have met Alexi and some of the other girls yep. at the pool and then I've gotten elliptico. So I actually take that to physical therapy, which oh, is okay. like a 35, 40 minute ride. Oh, wow. Cause you're going. I think you're somewhere off South Congress and you go yeah. all the way up to North Lamar. Yes. Wow. Yeah. On an elliptico. Yeah. Through Austin. That sounds dangerous. Do you well, ever I feel unsafe? Shoal Creek. Okay. Shoal Creek Trail. Yeah. Okay. I, I basically take South Congress to the lake, the lake to Shoal Creek. So it's... That's not bad. Yeah. It's not okay. that bad. Um, but no, I go in the bike lane with that thing. I mean, it's better <laughs> than a bike because it's huge and you, I'm standing up. You can <laughs> see me. And the bike, you can't really see people as well. You're definitely seen. People like look and stare and then point. Like, I wonder if you're talking about me. (laughs) (laughs) It is a very, it's, I kind of think of it when I see people on those, like it's like a big praying mantis (laughs) almost (laughs) in motion. Yeah. It's really funny. So I've heard you talk earlier this year. Obviously London was a big goal. I heard you say you wanted to run a sub 226 there. That's out the window. I've heard you say you wanted to make the world team of the 10K. Is that Probably still out the window? Out the window? Then what are your goals for the rest of the year? A fall marathon. Yeah. Have you thought about which one yet? Uh, yeah. I'd like to do Berlin. Okay. Yeah. I still want to do a flat, fast course. So, yeah. um, I, for Is New Ray York, working on that for you? I am not with Ray anymore. <laughs> oh, you're not? Okay. No. Man. Heather, I know. All kinds of changes. Going through people. Um, I 
Uh, Ray and Ray ended in December. Okay. Like I did my year with him and put in my notice or whatever. And I'm actually using Heather Navicus, who was Gwen Jorgensen's triathlete agent. Okay. Cool. Um, she knows more about triathlon probably, but she's really good at all the stuff that the running typical running agents usually aren't very good at. Um, like she got me the ASICs deal. She got me another deal. Um, so I'm yeah, super I mean, happy with her. Yeah, getting all the brands and all the things going and yeah but then you can actually live so now i'm it's a big bummer to not make it to london but what with what ray was giving me i could i had to go to the race and make the money so Mm. i was feeling like pressured to get back to races to win money and i don't have to stress about that now well that's a good place to be yeah i'm super happy with heather and everything she's done for me Um, awesome yeah and my sponsors have been really cool, too. Like, Asics and Wazelle. I mean, they, they lose out, too, when I get hurt. And they've been really nice to me. So It seems like that side of the sport, its evolution has been a good thing. There are more and more brands that understand that this isn't about reduction clauses and only surviving off performance bonuses. So kudos to you for... Yeah taking a step forward with that. I mean, kudos to them because it's it's nice that they don't reduce me for it because you can, yeah, p- you can get reduced for not competing and not showing up. And you know, I'm on Instagram less. I'm just kind of been hibernating because I'm sad. Yeah. And, and you're focused on. Well, I mean, I still have time to like write an Instagram post, but it's just, I'm like, I don't know what I'd write today. <laughs> went to the pool. I still injured. Yeah, and now without Brad, I have no one to take pictures. So I'm like, I have nothing to post. I'm. This is a waste. Well, no I mean, but people want to hear from you. I do think that's that's the side sometimes of the sport that elites don't share is that sadness, that that trauma of injury. I'm mean, not that you're hiding yeah. from it, but but that is the stuff that we want to hear that we can relate to. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. I just, I feel sad to the point that, like, I I can't, I can't connect with people, I think. That's where I'm at. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Berlin would be awesome because it's September, and that would give you plenty of time to then turn around and get to a February race. Yeah, and last year I did an eight-week build-up to New York, which is so short. And so um, I'm looking forward to, like, having more time to yep. kind of get ready for a race and... Um, kind of like put in some bigger long runs earlier, just like having more time lets you do a few more things and training. So, yeah. And you did well in New York getting not maybe the place you wanted, but you got a PR in 228. So yeah. that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And as you said, ran that 211 or 111 second half. It's, it's a massive negative split yeah. on a tough course. I mean, it's not like the second half of that course is easier. No. It's harder. Especially when you're coming back towards Central Park. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a tough yeah. course. Yeah. Well, I did a, like, three weeks out, I did a half marathon in 110.50 or something. And I thought I could finish the race in that because I, I had run 100 miles that week and the end of the week are in, like, a 110.50. So I was like, oh, in the second half of the marathon, I think I could run 110.50. Ran 111, like, 30. It was pretty close. Pretty close to your PR in the second half of New York. Yeah. Which has to point to the fact that you could run a 224, 225, right? On a I fat, don't know. Flat and fast course. I'm curious though. TVD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Okay. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Talk a little bit about your message around body positivity because 
Yeah. That is something that you talk about quite a bit. And mm-hmm. I appreciate your message there because it's something that in some ways I struggle with as well, which we'll talk about in a second. First question there is, how did you get to this place of recognizing that it wasn't about how you looked? Um, it's kind of a slow evolution, but I think it was really significant once I took a break from running. Like I said, I retired in 2012 and then I, I stopped running completely. I got a job. I, I ended up getting a boyfriend that was into CrossFit. So I started lifting and then I got back into running in 2017 and it was like, you know, I'm, I still did CrossFit like two or three times a week, but it was like, I'm going to like really commit to running. So I get up early and run and everything just came back really quick. Like it was easier than it's ever been before. And I was like, what's going on? Like, how did this get better? I mean, I've just took like four years off. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it was so much easier. Yeah. And I think that it, it was like the strength, strength for sure helped me. So, um, then I wasn't equating my, like, I didn't, I stopped thinking as much about like, I need to lose weight to be faster as like, I need more power. And so it's about your power to weight ratio. Right. And I didn't change my weight, but I changed my power. Does that make sense? It does. I think that's the thing that, and I was having this conversation with one of the runners I coached the other day. There's so many things that go into being your best runner. Mm-hmm. Power, the workouts you do, how much you're sleeping, what you're doing for recovery, how easy you're running on your easy days, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And those are all things that when you look at somebody, you can't tell, you know, yeah. like, I don't know how much you're lifting. I don't know how much you're sleeping. I don't know how much you're doing in workouts. I don't know how easy you're running your easy runs. I don't know how much you're recovering. I don't know how you're fueling yourself between runs. Those are the things that matter way more than what the scale says. But we, for some reason, put too much weight on that look because it's the thing we see. It's the first impression, so to speak, when we meet someone. Yeah. But don't you feel like people judge others by the way that they look? Yes. I think of course. that we all do that, unfortunately. Especially so, in our world, in our running world, yes. because, and I think you said this in an interview, you said something about looking fast or looking fit. And we'll, we'll hear that all the time. Oh, you look fit. You look fit. Yeah, I hate when people say that. There, there's nuts. not a look to fit. No. What <laughs> fit is what's inside fit is all the things I mentioned, all those other variables yeah. that matter and not how you look. And yet we're so trained to key off somebody, how, how somebody looks to decide what they can do in a race. And that's just wrong. Yeah. But it's even non-runners that do it. Like I've been introduced friends to non-runners and then the friend walks away and the run- non-runners like, Oh, like I thought she was a runner. I'm like she is a runner. Right. This is what we look like (laughs) (laughs) looking at it (laughs) because because why the the perception was that it was too too, not thin enough yeah i've had another friend who ran 140 miles a week and she was like oh people on let's run always say that there's no way i could run 140 miles a week because i'm too big like it has doesn't have a look 140 miles a week doesn't look like something but it's one thing to have that recognition it's another thing to start really living it and speaking it 
Yeah. When for you did it become something you became vocal about? So after 2017, New York City, um, I just like kind of said that something along the lines of being a bigger runner and then like that someone picked it up and it just kind of like snowballed from that. Like I think it just because so many of us feel the same way that once like someone finally said something about body image and this whole weight problem, like everyone related to it and they wanted to talk about it. And so I got the opportunity to write that self piece, which was like huge. It was so cool to be a part of, to write. And I think uh, a lot of people connected with the message and just feel the same way. And so then I started thinking like, I don't always need to say some of the things that I write on Instagram for me, but it, I want like younger Allie to read that. Whoever the younger people out there that like when you're in those impressionable ages and someone tells you to lose weight just to run faster when you don't know anything, you know, like me in high school, I didn't know. And so I did, I was really stubborn. I'm still am. So I probably wouldn't have done it, but some people are cause they'll do anything to be good. And I don't want them to make that choice when I want to be a person that they can look up to and be like, she looks pretty normal like i can be fast like Allie and still run i'm gonna do that like i want to take that path so someone has to counteract all the negative messages that people are getting right and i think that as a community with like women runners right now we're all starting to talk about it like kate grace wrote a piece steph bruce writes about it like i think a lot of people are standing up to that you don't have to be tiny and it's it's, it's such a huge misconception because i feel like in my life of running when I was in high school and college people got really thin and then they would run well for a little bit and then they would crash and none of the people that make it as pros are just really thin that's like not sustainable right. you cannot make it as a professional runner if you're if that's your talent being really thin right so like it's not worth investing in that so but it's like too late at this point in the game you know, for people to pick that up because you've either killed yourself or you are healthy. Right. So it's like trying to get that message out to everyone else. So that's what I try to do with my Instagram account. The other part of it is that I think everybody struggles with it. Who's trying to compete at the high level, at a high level, whatever that means for them. I think everybody, male, female, fast, quote unquote, slow. I don't like that word. Degrees of fast, less than the fastest runners. I think everybody struggles with it in a different way. You know, for me, as someone who's a quote unquote bigger runner, at because least. Because you're tall? Because I'm tall, I have broad shoulders. If you look at the weight on the scale for me versus other runners that I run with, you know, they might be 20, 25, 30 pounds lighter than me. Mm. And so I get caught up in not necessarily the look of it, but more in the idea that I need to be a certain weight to run a certain. PR or time Mm -hmm. and it occupies way too much in my mind space yeah someone told me this recently they said like look at the other way right so like not like um is everyone that weighs less than you faster than you no no exactly so (laughs) just like there are people that are more talented than me that can't run faster than me there you go and there are people that have blonde hair <laughs> that, <laughs> that I could that I could be I mean it's 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 silly that we sort of boil down our identity to how we look but that's but that's the world we live in because it's not us individually it's this like whole group thing it's a problem that because 
the group of runners. Like that's what we're told. So right. we have like the only thing you can do is just speak against it and say the other side of that. Yeah. And when I was too lean, last time I was too lean because I was counting calories, really worried about my weight. I got a stress fracture. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the only non uh, foot fracture I've had is when I was like too lean. Yeah. yeah. And so I wasn't my strongest and I was quote unquote fit by certain definitions, but ultimately I showed up in a race and didn't finish it or I finished it, but I didn't, I finished in my worst marathon time ever because I got a fracture in the race. Oh God. And, and so I wasn't actually fit, you know, I was fit on one dimension, but I wasn't total, I wasn't a total human fit. And as a result, I let go a whole bunch of work because Mm -hmm. I was too restrictive. You mentioned Steph Bruce. I want to men- I want to talk about her side of the equation because mm-hmm. I think sometimes you guys get pitted against each other, which I think is silly. Yeah. In that she has talked about this idea that the strong, not skinny hashtag can be a little bit misleading, perhaps, or dangerous for somebody like her who sometimes gets the message, "Oh, you look too skinny," or "You need to eat more." And her point in the dialogue has has also been, "Hey." We come in a lot of forms. Some of us look skinnier or quote unquote skinnier. Some of us are, you know, we're all different shapes and sizes. We can be healthy at different shapes and sizes. It doesn't mean that you have to quote unquote look strong to be healthy. Have you guys talked about that? How do you characterize that dialogue? I think it's exactly what you're saying. Like we're both saying the same thing. Like just be healthy. That's the way you're going to run your fastest. and your best you and that we do get pitted against each other and we have talked about it um and i think that we all like most people i think are like me where they feel like they're not skinny enough to do whatever they want or they've been told that they're too big for running or to be good at running and so um i didn't really mean anything to be negative about people that are skinny I was just writing from my point of view and I think that Steph is writing from her point of view, but we're not mad at each other. (laughs) And I don't think that she, I mean, I know we've talked about it. So like she knows I'm not trying to attack her or any skinny people, but I could have been better with the word choice probably. I think that I'm still going to use strong, not skinny because that like fits how I feel. And we're all just allowed to like voice our opinions. Yeah. I, at this point, this isn't really about Steph, but like people, I'm going to say something and uh, Katie, the PT always like brings this up. Like the more that she's like, do you write a lot on Instagram? And I was like, yeah, I usually do. Just like, haven't been. She was like, yeah, but like it opens you up to so many attacks right? and it can. And people will sometimes take what I say to mean something different. Maybe I didn't explain it very well. Maybe their own insecurities came into the equation and we kind of like take what, the message the way we want to um but that's just part of it like i can't not say anything if i don't do anything then like, i just do absolutely nothing <laughs> and people cannot criticize me or i can speak and someone might find something offensive and you just can't i i, I feel like i can't be upset every time someone else takes it the wrong way because right. for the most part i am trying to do the right thing i think i'm doing the right thing and I'm trying to voice an op- 
opinion to help other people. So if I just keep going with those ideas of this is why I'm doing this and this is how I'm doing it, then if someone's like, oh, someone wrote to me that, um, like, I cannot, like, hashtag body positive because I am a skinny white girl. (laughs) It's like, okay, I'm sorry (laughs) that you feel that way, but, like, that has nothing to do with it. So people just have their opinions and uh, their own insecurities, and sometimes they voice them. I think Emily Infield wrote about this on Instagram recently, where she was like, I think I'm a good person. Like, I am opinionated. I'm, like, strong-willed. You know, whatever. I have flaws. But, like, I'm trying to be a good person. And so you can take that whatever way you want. But sometimes it's really hard to be uh, in the spotlight because then everything you do say is criticized in some capacity. Yeah, it opens you up. Yeah, and I remember I was in Flagstaff in January, and um, some professional runners were talking about how, like, Brad and I put everything on Instagram, so then it's really easy to criticize us. Like, for what? For, like, (laughs) the seven-mile easy run I did today? You know, like, it's just, we are all, like, unfortunately judgmental on each other, and I have just decided to accept that, and so I will keep using the hashtag, I'll keep speaking up, and I am... I just hope everyone that listening knows that I'm trying to do it from a good place to help others, to help myself, to help us as a group of runners. And hopefully that it is taken and received well. And for the most part it is, but there's always going to be someone who may just think I'm attacking them when I'm not trying to attack them. And even the stuff with Steph Bruce to me is not you. It's a, it's other people creating that drama because they want clicks basically. So who cares, right? Whatever. That's not, that's not your business. And as long as you and stuff are good, it's all good. Cause I've never viewed it as you guys going at each other. (laughs) I just view it as both of you sharing your individual perspectives. Now let's talk about the scale because I've heard you talk about, I think on Instagram about the fact that you don't avoid it, Mm -hmm. that you use it as a tool now. Yeah, I don't always like the number, but... So how does that work for you? How do you balance not getting obsessed with that number with using it as a tool that's productive? Yeah, so I mean, sometimes, like in marathon training, I'll weigh myself before and after the run to see how much water I'm losing. So that's like legitimately just a tool to figure out how much to hydrate because Mm -hmm. you have to put in, pack in like 70% of what you sweat out. Right. So that makes a lot of sense. And then... um for weighing myself i i do weigh myself like weekly or monthly or something and i just i I don't associate anymore that i don't have a like racing weight i'm not like i have to be 120 before i can race because i've raced at a like range of weights and i've been pretty consistent um, even when I was coming back from injury, like last year, I went to Peachtree and I was like on the bigger end for me and I, th- I got fourth. I thought it was really good at the time. Yeah. I, four days later, I got, I did really well at Boilermaker. I ran like 30 seconds faster than I had the previous year. Um, and I was like heavier for myself. And then, you know, I ran New York City. I wasn't, I don't think I was as light as the year before. And I ran faster. Like, I just don't, they're not correlated anymore. 
where my weight isn't my performance. So then why step on the scale at all if you're not using it for hydration purposes? Why? Yeah, why? What are you getting from it? Is it just to say, hey, okay, I'm in range or, you know, this is about where I should be or is it just a reference point? What are you using it for? Um, I think it's just a reference point at this point. Like Brad and I were trying to figure out what my racing weight would be uh, for a little while. We didn't, I mean, we haven't. I, because like, I wouldn't, um, I mean, and now, like, now I've put on weight since I've been injured. And so I do want to be, like, aware of what I'm eating. I, I mean, I have to use my body for my job. So, like, being cautious about not getting too much weight, I think, is important. Because then I have to, like, my body will, again, lose that. Like, when I start running, I'll lose it pretty quickly. And I gain it pretty quickly. But it's not always healthy to lose it quickly like that. And so when I get come back from injury... I don't want to have gained that much weight because then I'm putting extra stress on my body of like losing the weight too. Swinging it back. Yeah. And I don't think the yo-yoing effect is good for your body. I've like kind of done that in the past. I do think putting on some weight is healthy because everything's repairing and like I'm less active. So I'm going to gain weight. That makes sense. Um, Without, because I don't want to be like super restrictive, especially when you're trying to repair bones, you need nutrients. So. Um, I use it on both ends of not trying to be too heavy or too light. Cause also in New York city marathon buildup, I lost my period. And so having enough calories or being like over a certain weight is important too. Before 2018 or 17? Before 2018. And I think you said that that was a, you called it a bad omen that you lost your period. Cause, uh, well every time I've, it's happened before and then I got a stress fracture. So it might be part of the reason why I have three stress reactions No. Yeah. So speaking of that topic, how do you maintain the balance so that you don't lose it? Is that something you're worried about if it happens? And if you do, what do you do to get it back? Um, yeah. So I work, I'm working with a nutritionist and he's really big about making sure I have like full fat foods. So like full fat. Yeah. Yep. Whole milk. Like really grass fed butter. And like, Tell me to have a lot of butter. Isn't that good? Grass-fed butter is really good. (laughs) I don't really taste a difference, to be honest. But even the grass-fed meat, like, he's really big on everything grass-fed because he says it changes the, like, fatty, if it's a long or short-change fatty acid. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to listen to him, but. But if it happens, you're trying to figure out how to get back. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't really talk to him all the time unless like i need something so because i should basically know what i should be eating and then there are any like big changes like i lose my period then i get back in touch and i'm like all right what are we what am i doing wrong what should we change so speaking of eating Mm -hmm. i believe it was in the shape magazine blog where you talked about instead of counting calories you try to fit as many nutrients as you can on your plate yeah so what does that look like for you? I, I think that's a cool way to look at it mm-hmm. because it flips the script a little bit. So yeah. how, does, how does it work? It's interesting because I had this boyfriend who his mom kind of made really like bland food. <laughs> and he was like, like, I would always complain. And he was like, you just need to change your taste buds because you're craving like all this crazy food and like spices and whatever. And to a certain regard, like he was right because once I started eating um, like basically like whole 30 like just basic food real food um, yeah 
was like, I feel so much better. And so with the more nutrients I can get in my plate, like the better I feel. Uh, so I like crave a kale salad. That sounds crazy. But I like a good, it has to be a good kale salad. They have a head of kale every, every day. Really? The nutritionist is like, that is not healthy because too you're going to get gout. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get too much kale. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, kale <laughs> overload is a possible thing. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I yeah, I just like don't have to you don't have to count your calories as much if you're just eating whole foods. Yeah, so, I don't I don't know if you've ever read the book Race Weight by Matt Fitzgerald. Yeah, I hated it. Really? Yeah. But it, I the thing I did I I have mixed feelings about it, but the thing I did like about it was sort of the food quality index that he talks about in there mm-hmm. of instead of worrying about macronutrient balance or anything just food quality worry about food quality mm-hmm. and get high nutrient foods yeah why did you hate that book though there's like this picture of uh what you should look like and for each sport really yeah i took a picture i posted it on my blog like before instagram was a thing this is huh. like the maybe 2011 days. <laughs> the blog days yeah. yeah i'll have to bring it back up <laughs> but back then if I remember right, you were also sharing on that blog about calorie counting, eating certain ways. Yeah. So yeah. that this was pre Nirvana. Alley. Yes. Yes. Well, that's because I ended up getting, I think, too skinny. And that's when I got the fracture, my tibia. And then I quit running because I, I ran out of money. I wasn't sponsored. But like I, I was in really good shape. So I feel like if I had went to the trials, things would have kept moving along. But instead... I got injured. I, and I think it was from, honestly, just like not having enough nutrients. In some ways, though, that's maybe a blessing in disguise now, right? I mean, it, it obviously sucks to get injured, but it puts you on a path to discover a different way in some yeah, ways. Yeah, it took me like five years to get <laughs> back, though. I think there's so many interesting things about your story that are inspiring that I don't know that get the coverage that they deserve. One is simply that you, know, you finished 49th in NCAA cross country at Wake Forest. That is not impressive. (laughs) (laughs) That was really good at the time. I mean, it's really good for you and really good, really (laughs) good in general. But I mean, relative to fifth in New York, I'm I'm sorry, I'm comparing the two, but relative to fifth in best placing at nationals. So you're 49th at nationals in college. At the time, nobody nobody would have said, "Hey, watch out for Allie Kiever; she's going to be fifth in New York someday." And in a lot of ways, your story is similar to Des, who also. Had a solid college career, but nothing that she was would way better than me. In college, <laughs> okay, so there you go. But nothing that would make people say, "All right, Ali Kiefer is the next yeah. top American or could make an Olympic team." So, w- how do you characterize that journey? Is it just about figuring out how to manage your body better and and to to be more positive and comfortable with how you look, or or what else? Like, what else took you from forty ninth and I really think the strength. CrossFit. Well, I don't necessarily <laughs> think you way. have to do CrossFit. But so strength. I feel like getting stronger, yeah, has been a huge change. Because I have um, done like a bod pod test. And so mm-hmm. I did it back in 2012. And then I did one, um, I did one this year. And I gained like nine pounds of muscle. Which is huge in the marathon. Yeah. I think that's an underrated thing in the marathon. Well, I was like, at what point is this detrimental to my marathon? <laughs> but no one can really tell you that. It's all right. like based on your body. There's a balance, I'm sure. I'm sure there is. And, and that's like all part of like 
the scale. I have like a body fat scale and it tells you how much muscle you have. And so, um, and how hydrated you are, honestly, with like telling you your water. But if you wake up and you're super light, but you're like, your, your, your measurements will change if you're really dehydrated, right. basically. And so, um, but anyway, so I did the bod pod and I was gained a lot of muscle. And so I really think that that is why I got a lot better because nothing else changed. I took years off of running. Like I didn't get better from not training. Um, I think it's the strength. What does your strength regiment regiment look like when you're in marathon training? So I deadlift, squat, uh, the hip thrust, yeah, um, kettlebell swings, and did I say dead? I said deadlift. deadlift yeah. yeah, so power lifting, yeah. basically power yeah. moves. Yeah. Do you do that on your own, or do you have someone guiding you? So the last time. I, so I had this like good regimen in Colorado before New York City Marathon and I met somebody and we went through it after every workout. So I was doing a workout every third day. And then um, when I was in Flagstaff, I went to Hypo 2, which is like a big um, like chiropractic and like the team there, Nazalie, does all their strength there. Yep. Um, and so a guy, AJ, he like put me through all the strength stuff. We didn't just do those exercises. He kind of like came up with other things too, because he was basically bridging the gap between what I was doing, which was minimal, I would say to, or a PT standpoint to what I'm doing now in Mondo, which is like working on so many imbalances. He was kind of in the middle between those two. Right. And now I haven't really been lifting heavy at all um, because they're probably worried that I'm, well, I'm right leg dominant, like it's much stronger. And then I'm kind of dragging my left leg along. So they're trying to like fix some of those imbalances and I anterior tilt and um, yeah. We've, got, got, like we've a, got issues. I've got some issues, <laughs> yeah. I can relate. But in marathon, so you're doing that every third day is so a couple times a week, power moves. So I just do it after a workout. Like it, make the workout days harder. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing we've talked about on this podcast. Make your hard days hard, your easy days easy. Yeah. And so doubling up there is something that we do here as well. We have a a group that meets here, well, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday mornings, and a couple times a week they'll follow our workouts immediately with a cross. It's, it's not CrossFit, but a, a session over on the CrossFit side of our space yeah. that is runner-specific power and strength. What do you guys do? Related deadlifts, squats, some uh, other power moves like like push press to to kind of work on overall body power yeah and and then of course kettlebell swings and then core stuff with med balls and stuff like that cool. as well so similar Sounds concept like but they'll go. but they'll do it right after yeah right after a hard workout well it's so convenient that way yeah and, and then done. you're done and then your recovery days are purely recovery yeah yeah so that's what i'll move to once like but my recovery days will be just pt stuff once i'm back running so strength and then just accepting your body the way it's constructed. Those are your, your secret weapons. Yeah. I mean, I think you need to eat healthy. I think if you're eating like Doritos for dinner and then you're like, I'm just going to accept my body like this probably a poor choice. Yeah. But um, I do think that we all should be accepting of our bodies, which I think is a process because that's still like what I'm trying to do. I mean, I feel like for running, like 
I don't stress about the weight side of it anymore. Um, I'm heavier now. It's like a little uncomfortable. And then when I start running again, it will come off and I'll be fine. Not like, I don't think of it negatively impacting my performance. What insecurities still creep in in that world for you? Well, right now, like everything's snug. (laughs) <laughs> and like that's just don't like the eh. and then you're fitting. humid here in austin and like yes. everything's sticking and like <laughs> it's tight and i don't like it um so it's just uncomfortable yeah and like i don't really have friends yet so like meeting people i'm like oh everything's just too tight to meet people i don't want to go uh, come on you know? we can help you with that ali yeah we've got so many running friends here but yeah so another thing i think that's cool about your story is you taking this not ready for English class in yeah. in college and then going on to be what I think is a really eloquent writer, you know, not just your shape magazine work, but I've seen other articles from you on this. Is it uh women's running Yeah, that you've been contributing to? What, what was that like for you feeling like you're not smart or you can't do it? And then, but yeah obviously figuring it out and now getting to a place where you're a published author on big, big magazine sites. Yeah. It's, I mean, giving me a lot of confidence because I feel like I just thought I couldn't do it before. I don't think my mom meant anything, but she just told me that I was the athlete and she told my sister, she was academic Mm. and my sister was really smart. Um, and I'm obviously fast. So like she wasn't, she didn't mean that I couldn't be an academic or my sister couldn't be an athlete. My sister did sports, but um, and I wasn't as good as her, and I think we were competitive a bit, and we both just didn't try as much in the other categories because we got boxed in Yeah. in our own minds. I don't really think my mom. She didn't intend it that way. No, no. And but she, it's a story we start to tell ourselves. Yes, yes. And then my poor mom, she was like, I just wanted to go to the library with you. And you were like, no, <laughs> you know? And so just like, wasn't as interested and I didn't apply myself. I didn't think it was fun. I wasn't good at it naturally. So, um, I didn't want to like do it. I think now when things challenge me, I want to do them more. But as a child, I just wanted to give up and do the things I was good at because I was insecure. So is it hard for you to write things like that now or is it, or have you found a skill set there that you just didn't know you had? Yeah. I found a skill set, but it does take time. Like. Um, I mean, I get paid for the women's writing things, but it takes me way more time than like, it doesn't, it doesn't make, it's not a financially good move, (laughs) but I'm like, I, I actually like it and I like connecting that way with people. So, well, and you're building fans, which eventually pays back in different ways, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that to me is cool. You mentioned your sister. That's a tragic story. Yeah. You lost her in a car accident when? When I was a junior. Like junior in college. Yeah. So 2008, 2007, 2007. It was a, the day before I was supposed to leave for college for like cross country camp. And so we had a week of camp and then we went to school. And so I obviously did not go to camp. And then I showed up at school actually on time. Um, my boyfriend cheated on me like at camp. After you awful. found out about your sister's death. Yes. And he was him and the coach. The only people I told um oh my goodness yeah it was awful how did you survive that uh well i called my mom at one point and i was like like i'm just gonna I, I cannot do this i'm gonna come back home and like take the semester off she's like you can do that but i go to work and all your friends went back to college and i was like all right 
Hmm. I must stay here. <laughs> when you found out that news, yeah, what was that like? I think it's. I mean, it was we're we're just bawling on the floor together, and then my dad ha- my dad lives in Alabama, but he happened to be in New York, so he came over also. And we're, I mean, you're just sad and you're crying and you can't really process and understand what happened and the whys. I think you get really. I got angry too, like. Not I was never really religious, but my sister was definitely an atheist. Mm. And I was like, that's it. Everything she said goes. Like, um, She's kind of become angel-ish in my mom's eyes, which is always, I think, hard because none of us are angels. Like, though, It's just there's like, it's so complex right. of losing someone. Um, yeah. And initially, it was like just really hard to be at school. And like concentrate on anything. I would just be in classes and be crying. Like, sorry, counselor, I need to drop another class. Right. <laughs> Which then I didn't have, I didn't, <sighs> you have to have 12 credits to be on the team. And I could only go to three classes. So I made nine credits that semester. So like I couldn't be on the cross country team. Not that I was ever going to race anyway, but that right. means I couldn't go to practice. So that was a whole nother issue. So you lost running too. Yeah. Well, so I got a dog who's Winston <laughs> and me and him ran and we would just like meet up with the team when they went there for their easy runs. Do you still have the dog? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. He's here in Austin. Did you, I, I, I told you before and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I lost one of my best friends also in a car accident when I was 23 or 24 at the time. And I got really cold. Like I went into shock when I found out I was the first person to find out mm-hmm. because we were living together at the time and the police came to the door and I got to the point where I couldn't control my body heat. I just got really cold, and it was almost like I was sitting there, and my body was in shock. It was just freaking out, so it stopped working. That's Did you have that experience? No, no. So what do you take from it? Because you've mentioned it a few times in, in general ways that that experience shaped who you are now. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? I think I just... um don't take anything for granted anymore. I don't want to say anything, but I look at life as more of an opportunity now. And um, I had a conversation recently with someone where they asked, um, like, if you train for a race, like, do you deserve to win? Right. And like, I don't feel like I deserve, we don't deserve anything, but we like train for these opportunities or get these opportunities. And um, I've, was really entitled, I think, before that whole thing and probably for partly after. But it it made me just grateful for what I have and um, inquisitive. Like, I want to learn. I want to see other places and cultures and um, maybe not so stuck in my own ways. Um, my sister was just, like, really different. Um, I think everyone in high school kind of wants to be cool. And she, a cool girl, came over one day and she hosed her down. <laughs> and she bawled at her and told her that she was a conformist sheep. <laughs> so it's funny now. It was yeah. really humiliating at the time. <laughs> like, it was just like such a different person that you wanted yeah. like be in her mind i don't know so um i tried to like live with the spirit and she got me into running she taught me how to race she told me to pick them off like cherries like 
start in the back and move up, which is, that's how I run like still yeah. to this day. So, um, so she was somebody who knew she, who she was and wasn't afraid to live that. Yes. Yes. And she always said that she didn't want to have kids. She wanted to die young. She wanted to be an international businesswoman, mm. and I was going to have all the kids, which clearly <laughs> didn't happen. But um, it's just interesting. Like maybe things happen the way they're supposed to be. Like she'd been to six or seven continents. Like she's 23 when she died. Wow. She wasn't that old. That's how I continued running is from the m- money from her that my parents like gave me after she died. Mm. So it's just. Um, I mean, she did a lot of the raising of me because my parents were divorced. My dad was not really around. Um, and my mom worked in New York City. So she just was like, her time was limited. And right. uh, my, we, my parents got divorced when I was seven. And so she just did like, she just took care of me. Probably is why she didn't want kids. Yeah. <laughs> she had one already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. And I've heard you talk about how you got into running because she joined a running group. You were the younger child. Your parents needed to send you somewhere too. Yeah. So they said, okay, we're going, you're going with her yeah, to this five. running group. Uh-huh, we ran <laughs> for Tic Tacs. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. It's also. I just wanted to be like her. Yeah. Yeah. And then at a certain point I thought, oh, I'm an athlete. I'm not intelligent enough to be like her. Right. I'm just going to follow her around. I remember when I was in middle school, I moved up to the um, track team a high school track team and she was the captain but I was faster than her and so she was like very annoyed with me that I was faster than her um but I just I was like I didn't know any of the loops and the coach said you know oh we're doing this loop today do you, you know it and I was like no I'll just follow Meg yeah she was like no you won't <laughs> you know, like we had one of those kind of relationships where I just wanted to be everywhere she was and yeah. she wanted nothing I mean we're four years apart so that's pretty normal um and then as we like you know, she came to some of my meets and she was really supportive, but it was like my family's a little bit of tough love. Mm-hmm. So I think I didn't really like know how much she cared until she died. And then mm. all of her like friends, sorry, I'm getting choked up, okay. but everyone else was like, Oh, I hear stories about you all the time. That's powerful. I think it's awesome that she had that identity. And that you're living a strong identity now. Yeah. Because you're carrying forward what she did. And I would imagine before that happened, which is obviously a traumatic thing and horrible, maybe you didn't have the strength to be yourself as much as you do now. Yeah. That's a good point. It's just funny because I said I like came to Austin and one of my friends was like, are you staying there? I was like, I don't know. And she was like, I love you. You just like do whatever you feel like doing. You don't care what people think. And I was like, oh, that's totally my sister. Yeah. 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 So there you go. Living, living the way she lived. That's yeah. really cool. Do you carry with her at races? Do you carry her with you in races? Do you think about that? I don't think like she's like helping me race faster. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that she's like instrumental in and why I ever started and yeah. it's a connection we'll always have and so I like think of her about running yeah um like she when I was in high school I had a trainer so my mom had paid like an outside coach to to coach me and actually the best friend who lives here in Austin 
and um my sister went with her car and measured all of the loops so it had like exact mar- mile markers <laughs> and so and it's just like every like i mean she raised me and like helped with all that stuff so yeah yeah i think of her often but it's not like it's not because of her that i'm yeah running well i don't i don't know you're running well because of you <laughs> right i mean because of you but it's cool that you can carry with carry her with you in 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 ways that maybe you didn't recognize i mean i definitely wouldn't be at this place right now if it wasn't for her if she didn't yeah. run i probably would never run like that's monumental yeah so as we wrap things up what do you want what do you want and i'm not talking about next year and making the olympic team obviously that's a goal but what do you want from this running thing over the next five years, 10 years? What do you want your legacy to be in this sport? It's a big question. Yeah. Um, well, I do want to make the Olympics. So I'm thinking if it doesn't happen <laughs> next year, maybe in 2024. Yeah. Um, and I want to keep like continuing the body image conversation. Um, I feel like I don't think there's a time in the near future where we'll can stop talking about it yet like um so that is a big piece i want to do something with high school girls mm. or like i don't i like coaching people in person particularly uh, i don't think i'll be doing that in the next five years but like s- something where i'm more doing some more things with like impressionable ages and particularly girls yeah um Maybe like a nonprofit. I've thought about that kind of stuff. I think when I spent time in Kenya, it's hard not to think about that. Right. Um, Brad and I raised money for the New York Roadrunners Run for the Future program, which got, gave scholarships to needy girls in New York City. So that was really cool. Um, getting more involved in like things like that. So. Cool. Well, we'll be rooting for you. Thank you. Rooting for you to get through this injury and hopefully get to Berlin and then on and then an Olympic train team. With me. Well, I'm here. I'm yeah. ready. Because uh, I but, don't wake up that early. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can, like I said, I can run eight, nine o'clock. We can go a little later. Perfect. But I would just want to thank you for taking the time, for being so willing to go to emotional places and just being yourself, not just now, but all the time. I, I think it's it's exactly what our sport needs is to have people like you to connect with because to me, you're somebody who's obviously competing at the highest level of the sport, but you're also so relatable and that's what our sport needs to be, to be its best. And so, so thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. There you go. Allie Kiefer, everyone go follow her. If you're not already at Kiefer Allie on Instagram, hopefully you enjoyed this discussion again, really appreciate Allie coming in and also being so real and raw with me. Hopefully you learned something that you can apply in your own life or maybe you just became inspired to go pursue your own journey in certain ways. So thanks again to Allie. Thanks to you for listening. You can always check us out at roguerunning.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.